Before we get to the show, I wanted to say thank you for supporting, downloading, and streaming The Church in Fix. I know that when I originally kicked off this podcast, I did not think that anyone was going to listen to it at all. I've listened to every episode you've put out. So one of the biggest things um, that I think is a disconnect between, uh, I can't speak for my generation, but for me, uh, and, and any elder is the belief that prayer works. You know, while I've done a lot of bad things in my life, you know, God, if you're if you're real, you know, I I pray that you forgive me. Welcome back to the Church in Fix. We appreciate all of our listeners, and uh, we can see the ratings, and they're continuing to grow. And what's exciting to me about that is I feel like there's something that anyone can listen to this and glean from it. With that being said, I'm really super excited about our guest today. And although I have not talked to him personally, we've texted back and forth for, you know, a couple of years now. We met in a mutual preacher's forum, a part of a fellowship that we are both licensed ministers in. So I'm really excited to hear um, his story and the things that we're going to talk about today. And uh, real quick, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself? Hey guys, my name is Hank Hayes and I currently live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's awesome. So, so here's a reference we'll see, because I know that we're, we're not far off on our age here. Did uh, anyone ever call you Willie Mays Hayes when you were a kid or anything from the, (laughs) from the major league movies? Yeah, not Willie Mays. It was always Hammer and Hank. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was thinking about... Hammer was awesome, so I'll take that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So um, what I wanted to talk about is I know that you have a very diverse background when it comes to the religious world. And what's interesting about that to me, and I think it will be to our listeners as well, is one of our very first episodes I had with one of my really good friends who is now a Catholic, but he made a journey from... Uh, the Assemblies of God, Pentecostal background, through Baptist, then Reformed Baptist, then Presbyterian, you know, and and so his journey was just so intriguing. And I know that we got a lot of feedback that people really enjoyed that. And even back then, I, I remember thinking, who are some other people that have some really good stories to tell about their journey and where they're at? And, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves on this, but why don't you tell me a little bit about what your church background was and kind of how you arrived to the area you are today? Yeah, man, it's, it's actually really interesting uh, when I look back on it because so my family, they did not attend church very often, um, especially not my dad. Um, but my mom's side of the family, they were church of Christ. And so as long as my grandmother was alive, my mother always dragged me into the Church of Christ as a kid. Now, my dad's side of the family, they were Baptist. And uh, my grandma, she or my great-grandmother, that is, has some, uh, has some roots in the holiness movement, which is pretty cool. And then I've got an uncle that uh, is a Messianic Jew. So we're wow. all across the board, and somehow I landed right in the middle as a Pentecostal preacher. Um, but, yeah. So family, it's, it's, family it's, gatherings are awesome then, right? What's that? Family gatherings are awesome. Oh, man, I tell you what, it's, it, you know, with our family, um, they always say the, the thing you shouldn't talk about is politics and religion. Well, not only am I a Pentecostal minister with all this family background uh, with Christianity, but also uh, I'm a political science major. So. Wow. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so we're yeah, not going to invite you to anything. No, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, I was just going to say it, it. It's really that background in the Church of Christ where I actually got started uh, in Christianity. So, uh, like I was saying, when my grandmother was around, she she was the anchor that held us in the church, and she passed away in in '99. And so, as long as she was alive, my mother made sure that we were in church. And so, you know, for anybody that's not familiar with the Church of Christ, I always tell people it's it's kind of um, uh, sit down, shut up, and don't say a word. And I always tease about that. Um, but we were the non-instrumental uh, hymnal singers, so a cappella. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've only had one friend that comes from the Church of Christ background. And uh, we were actually, we went through uh, seminary together uh, for the time that I was there anyway. And he's, he's actually pastoring a church now, but he told me that it was hard when he came into the Pentecostal movement that, that we're part of as far as our fellowship is concerned, because he said everything was about music. And back then, this was 20 years ago, you, you remember the big choir music and things like, you know, that was going on. And so he said it was really hard for him to accept that it was okay to have music. I mean, it, it was, I remember those conversations and I'd never heard that before. So it was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, that was actually the thing I really accepted pretty quick because it was something different. Um, so, you know, the truth is, is as a kid growing up in the church of Christ, I, and I even had to say this, but I kind of found church to be kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And so I remember my mom, she would give me offering money that I could put in the plate and I would always conveniently fall asleep. Oh, wow. The offering pan would come around. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you got extra candy or something, right? I got extra candy, yeah. 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 Go down and buy a, go, go buy a Coke or something. But, um, yeah, so we were in the Church of Christ, and actually what happened, my oldest sister, I'm pretty young compared to my two sisters. Um, so I'm 32, but my oldest sister... I just turned 50, and uh, my other sister is uh, 47, so there's quite a bit of an age difference there. But when my oldest sister, when she was younger, um, she really developed a a love for the Lord and really reading the Bible. She got to reading about, you know, um, in John chapter 1, where the Word became flesh and and dwelt among us, and, and she really began to see this oneness without even you know, ever being taught this. And she was on the phone with a friend of hers and she said, you know, I just wish that, that I knew a church that actually believed this. Well, it just was convenient enough that the friend that she was talking to said, Charlotte, um, that's what we believe. And she's like, what do you mean? That's what we believe. And she's like, that's what we believe in the Pentecostal church. And so her friend, her, her friend's father was in the process of planning a church in spring city, Tennessee at the time. And my sister started attending service there. So, you know, I'm probably, I don't know, maybe around eight years old at the time or so. And uh, so, you know, I would get ready for church. And then my mom would go get ready. And while she was in the shower, my sister would kidnap me and start taking me to church with her. (laughs) Kidnap you? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, she would kidnap me. And she'd leave a note. She'd say, hey, I took Hank with me to church. And so this was my first introduction to a Pentecostal service. So like I said, you know, being in the church of Christ, it was really just sit down and, and, and kind of keep your mouth shut, you know, and listen so, or so, you know, so, sing acapella. Right. But did, did now did that and, cause, did that cause 
problems with your family as far as because uh, I know a lot of people whenever they're moving different denominations or they have one member that is it, it causes a lot of um, a rub and there's some resistance there to that w- was your family open to allowing you to go to that or, or was it kind of always yes. at a last minute like I'm just going to take him so I, I think it's one of those things my mom was was the type of person that kind of make, let you make your own decision for yourself. Okay. Yeah. She never really forced anything on us. And, you know, the truth is, is that I don't think she really wanted to go to church herself. My grandma was the one that was making sure she was there. And so, um, she was okay with it, you know, and I would really say it was, it was my grandmother and my uncle, um, at the time that that struggled with it the most because being in the church of Christ, you know, they believe that they are the only ones that are saved. And so you have to attend their church. And so they were really the only ones that had issue with it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So anyways, you know, here's my first service in a Pentecostal church. And it's one of those where, you know, the music gets going and people are worshiping like crazy. And all of a sudden here goes this person running through the aisles. (laughs) I mean, literally, you know, the first service that I'm in and I see this and, you know, it didn't scare me, but I actually started laughing. It was kind of comical to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I remember that first service being eight years old, thinking to myself that, you know, out of all this preaching that I'd ever heard about Jesus coming back, if he were to come back, I believe that he would walk down the center of this aisle right here. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I can honestly say that was the first time I felt God. Oh, wow. In the service. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, uh, I continue to go to the Church of Christ. Uh, when my sister could get me to go to church with her, you know, she would. She started teaching Sunday school and, and stuff like that. But um, 1999 rolls around and my grandmother passes away. And when she does, my mom completely quits going to church. Mm. And by this point, I have actually developed a love for the church. And so I, I asked my mom, I said, well, if, if we're not going to go to the Church of Christ, I said, can I go to the Pentecostal church? Which was actually a 30-minute drive opposed to just a five-minute drive down the road. Mm-hmm. And how old were you? She said, yeah. She, she said that would be fine. Well, it was just so convenient at this time that uh, my uncle, another uncle of mine, He had got married in Louisiana, and um, they were expecting their first child. And my aunt had told my uncle, she said, you know, I've never, I did not want to raise any of my kids in Louisiana. Can we move to Tennessee? And so they move up to Tennessee. Well, it just so happened that he had married a Pentecostal woman. Wow. Yeah. And so they were looking for a church, and uh, they found the, the church there in Spring City. And so I started riding with them. And uh, that's really where my transformation took place. I remember at the age of 12, this was really when things changed. Um, You remember how I told you that I would conveniently fall asleep during the offering time to keep the money? Right, right. Well, you can't do that in the Pentecostal church. (laughs) (laughs) It's just hard to sleep in church, right? You're really excited. And I was excited. They brought this evangelist in. And uh, I had a few friends from school that 
was receiving the Holy Ghost during this revival that was taking place. And um, just to kind of give you a little bit of background about my personality, as a kid, um, I was the type of person that wanted to be popular. And so I tried everything I could to be popular. So if it was uh, sports, so I grew up in a small town, football, basketball was the big thing. I took an entire summer and learned how to play basketball so that I wouldn't look silly. And uh, how tall are you? How tall are you? Well, I just say that because from your pictures, I would never think that you were a basketball player. So yeah, well, I was a point guard. I'm only five seven. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I tell people it's kind of funny. Um, in elementary school, I was there was a point or a time that I actually played center in elementary school. I quit growing after sixth grade, and everybody else kept growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Our, so, yeah. Our senior pastor, yeah, our senior pastor, he's, I, I'm not sure how tall he is. I know that I'm taller than him and I'm 5'11. And um, I'm pretty sure he's 5'7 as well. Okay. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> but, but basketball is like his favorite, his favorite thing. That's, that's, I mean, uh, and he's, he's very competitive. But uh, you get out, you get out of his way if he starts playing. Like, so, so I can just imagine. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, you know, I was competitive because you have to be when you're that small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so anyways, you know, I never wanted to make a fool of myself. So I, I got out one summer and learned how to play and all this stuff. With all that being said, here I am in this church service. And I have a few friends that are getting the Holy Ghost. But the ones that are really getting the Holy Ghost that I care about is uh, the really cute girls in my school. Mm. And so here I am, you know, I'm not going down to the altar, but. They're going down to the altar and they're getting the Holy Ghost. And I remember during this, it was a week long, back when we used to do week long revivals. Um, we had service one night and a couple of girls had got the Holy Ghost. And then I was in class the next day and uh, my buddies and these girls were talking about, hey, you know, I got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I got the Holy Ghost too and all this stuff. And they looked back at me and they're like, Hank, did you get it? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't go down. They're like, OK, well, you need to go down. And I was like, okay, well, it just so happens that every time that he would call for the altar call, I would go to the bathroom. Oh, wow. So <laughs> Because the thing is, is I didn't want to make a fool of myself. How do you speak in tongues? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do that? Mm. You, they were getting it so effortly, and I'm, and I'm going, I don't even know how you do this. So it was the very last day of the revival, and the pastor's wife um, comes up to me after service with the evangelist. And she says, you know, Hank, he, he's not got the Holy Ghost yet. And he goes, you have it, man. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to get it tonight. Well, all my friends are standing there when he makes a statement. You're going to get it tonight. And so I was like, okay. You know, I get in the car and I leave. I look at my grandma and my uncle and I said, well, how do I do this? Like, how do I speak in tongues? <laughs> and they're like, well, well you, don't just, you don't just speak in tongues. You know? yeah. It's like not something you practice. And I'm like, Listen, I've got to figure this thing out because there's a lot of people that's going to be watching me tonight. You know, I'm thinking it's some sort of performance that I got to put on. Mm. Man, I am so nervous coming into service. I'm thinking about skipping. And, uh, but, anyways, I'm like, if I know I skip, they're going to give me a hard time at school. So I come into service, and this is what I tell people when they ask me, they're like, well, you know, what happened when you first got the Holy Ghost? I tell them I got scared into it. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, and yeah. Scared into yeah. receiving the Holy Ghost. Well, that that was a lot. Of, that was a lot of us. Now I'm not, I'm almost ten years older than you, but um, one of the things that um, I've told people a lot of times, I said, so many people get saved out of self defense because the generation that I grew up in, it was all about the end times and the end of the world. And we were just so terrified. And, and so I've told people, I said, I got saved. You know, safe self-defense is what saved me, you know. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Man, yeah, so here I am. I'm in this service. I cannot tell you a single thing he preached because I'm just more worried about how am I going to speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to make the altar call. I'm sitting on the second pew or second row, you know, in the pews. And... Um, he just makes the, you know, invitation. Who wants to come down to the front? Anybody that wants the Holy Ghost, go ahead and make your way to the front. And the truth is, is that I wanted it. I really wanted it. Right. Uh, I just, did, I just didn't know how to, how to do it. And so, I'm making my way out of the pew and turning the corner. And as soon as I'm turning the corner, I just start crying mm. because I have all, all this emotion inside of me. But when I start crying, I feel, you know, you know, like what we would say, like a fire inside. Right. And all of a sudden, I just start busting out in tongues. Wow. Wow. And the evangelist walks up. He's about to pray for me. And he goes, never mind. He's already got it. Who else needs it? Wow. And as soon as I heard him say, he's got it, that's when I just let it flow. Because, you know, when you're doing it for the first time, you're thinking, is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Pressure's off. Him confirming, you know, he's got it. Who else needs it? Man, I just lost it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really, I, I really um, understand when that scripture says it's like rivers of living water flowing out of you, because that really is the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. And and so, um, as soon as the service ends, uh, I get asked, you know, have you ever been baptized? Mm-hmm. Now, in the Church of Christ that I attended, um, they bab they, and this is serious. They actually baptize in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. They quote Acts 2.38 when they baptize you. Mm-hmm. And they don't say Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They say in the name of Jesus. And so when I got asked, do I want to get baptized? I said, yeah, you know, I do. And so they said, you know, we only baptize in Jesus' name. And I'm like, well, that, that's how I was raised. That's what I was taught. So, yeah, let's do it. So I get baptized in Jesus' name. I come home that night. And, um, you know, obviously my hair is wet and all this other stuff. And I walk in. And my mom sees me and she goes, what happened to you tonight? She could just see that something was different. Mm. And uh, she saw my hair wet and she said, you got baptized, didn't you? And I said, well, I got the Holy Ghost first. And she's like, I don't know what that is, but you got baptized, didn't you? (laughs) And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. And she's like, oh, Hank, this is going to be a big stink. Oh, really? You're asking me the question, you know, how's your family think about this? Her immediate thought was, this is not going to be good. You know, right, right. Baptized in the wrong church, in other words. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, my mom was actually my biggest defender because my uncle on my her brother, the one I was telling you about that was in the Church of Christ, he um, he was not happy about it, mm. and he's like, you you know. He was talking to my mom. He didn't even talk to me. My mother told me this privately. That he he came to her and he said, "We we've got to fix all this." And she told him. She said, "I have never seen uh, Hank care this much about God. Right. There is seriously a change in him. And the truth is, is that whatever he has, we probably need it too." 
Mm, that's something. And so, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So, well, and that goes anyways, back to that goes back to you know the Bible talks about being the salt and the light. There ought to be something about us that that people are interested in. What is different? And so it sounds like your family saw that firsthand, or your mom did. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. you know, they made the statement there was like a glow. Mm. You know, I tell people it's like perma smile. Perma smile. The Holy Ghost, she had perma smile. Oh my word! I've never heard that before. That's funny. Yeah. 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 So she was she was my biggest offender, and she allowed me to continue to go to church down there, and and uh, like I said, I was twelve when I received the Holy Ghost and was baptized, and. Um, I, I guess my next journey would be uh, when I felt my call to preach. Mm. And so, yeah, really, if you don't mind, really elaborate on that. I, you know, because I, I ask people a lot about this, if, especially if they're in ministry, and and I, we get such a, a, a mix of answers that really, really take some time and unpack that for me. Like, what, what, what was that experience like? Yeah. So, um, I had. I had never had any interest in preaching. In fact, when I was in the Church of Christ, the um, the path that I was actually going towards was actually being a worship leader, mm-hmm. which obviously that means something different in the Pentecostal church. Yes, but I was I was just thinking that I was like, how are you the worship leader without music? Because when I think worship leader, I think you know you're up there, the band's up there, maybe you're leading the the music team or or something like that. Yeah, and, you know, I know that you like to have discussions with people, I would say, outside of our ranks, you know, with other denominations. And, uh, you know, most people in the Church of Christ would tell you that they believe that worship is with your mouth mm-hmm. and with your heart and with your mind. Mm-hmm. That that is worship, not instruments, I guess you could say. I got you, got you. Yeah, so I was, so, I so was just, on the path to be a worship Yeah, but is, hold on just a second, because I don't know. But so what? how do they interpret um, the scriptures where it talks about praising the Lord with the instruments and with the yes. song and with the dance and things like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, and that's the thing that they get hammered by quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their response is, is that, uh, we are a New Testament church that the things of the Old Testament um, are done away with. Okay. And unless it's repeated again in the New Testament, it's not something that we follow. And so they'll they'll say, you know, really, the only scriptures that you can find in the New Testament about worship is, you know, uh, psalms, hymns, making spiritual melody in your heart. Mm. Okay. And so they say that's how the New Testament praises the Old Testament. Yeah, they did all those things, but uh, the New Testament church doesn't do that. Okay, so there's a, there's a, there's a clear separation between the two testaments yes. as far as like even the way that, I, you know, I know that um, I've had people tell me that the law was totally done away with in the um, Old Testament, you know, when the New Testament started and, you know, so we don't even have to pay attention to any of that anymore. And, you know, and I'm, I, I, I do a lot of listening, so I'm not there to debate when people talk about things like uh, that. And, you know, but just from an analytical standpoint, it's always hard for me to, to reconcile those two thought processes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that I learned later on because in college I had a, 
math professor that was um, a Church of Christ deacon. Mm -hmm. And when he found out that I was formerly Church of Christ and now a Pentecostal preacher, he's like, wait a minute, you know, what's going on? We need to talk. And so he said, you know, I, I get a lot because when I broke down, you know, our belief in salvation, he's like, I can, I can deal with that. He's like, I don't understand the speaking in tongues, but I understand repentance in Jesus and baptism. I'm on board with that. But he said, it's the whole music thing. Wow. Problem with. I mean, it really bothers them. Okay. Okay. And um, I was reading, and forgive me because I can't remember which commentary this is, but I was reading a, a commentary on the scripture about psalms, hymns, and making spiritual melody in your heart. And so um, I came across something that I was like, wow, you know, I want to use this the next time this gets brought up. And so my professor, when he brought that up, I said, well, and already knowing the answer, I, I kind of just baited him a little bit. I said, well, how do you worship good? And he brings up psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I said, I said, you know, that's interesting. I said, because when, when I was in the church, um, when we're talking about psalms, I don't remember any poetry in church. I don't remember somebody getting up and reading poetry in church, you know? And uh, I said, I know, you know, David wrote to his uh, songwriters, you know, this is songs that we're going to sing. But I said, um, in this commentary that I have, it actually says that a psalm is to be accompanied by a stringed instrument. And when I pointed that out to him, all of a sudden he gets silent. He goes, you got me there. I got to think about this one. Because that was the first time that anybody had showed him a commentary. And his first thought was, well, where did this commentary come from? Like, mm -hmm. I can't debate you if I don't know where it came from. If it's a Pentecostal commentary, then yeah, know, that's not a good resource. But where did this commentary come from? So, mm -hmm. um, And that's one thing I've always brought up. You know, this, the Psalms that the Apostle Paul is talking about was always accompanied by a string instrument. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, bring, bringing that 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 uh, story up though reminds me of. So I have so many friends across so many denominations, and because we all are friends and we love each other, we have some pretty open conversations. Now I don't have any any close friend um, that is a part of the Church of Christ. Now I have several that are part of the Church of God in Christ, which is another. Mm. Uh, it's, I guess it's probably considered more of a, a Pentecostal denomination um, right. when I think about it. But um, one of the things that I find interesting is when you have people that are friends and they have a relationship, a lot of times you can have a more open conversation about topics and it doesn't become a, I'm just trying to win a debate or I'm just trying to win an argument, but it's more of a study of what do the text teach and where do we go from there? Regardless of, you know, it's not my book or your book or your commentary or my commentary, but let's take an eye, let's take whatever a study topic is and really dissect it. And what's being said there, what is the principles being applied and how should we as, as modern day Christians apply that to our lives? And, and I find that the approach is totally different than when people engage with each other and they're trying to win an argument or convince somebody to change their opinion. <laughs> You know, you're exactly right. And unfortunately, I feel like your approach is something that I have just stumbled upon, you know, kind of later in my life now that I'm married with kids. 
um, because uh, are you familiar with the way of the master? Yeah. Kirk Cameron, yeah. Kirk Cameron. Ray yeah. Ray Comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like Cameron. that approach personally. I don't like it at all. You, you don't like it? No, no. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm kind of getting at is that, man, I fell for that stuff hard mm-hmm. and uh, bought into it, man. And so I was at one point I got so on fire about this stuff that I was like, all my Mormon friends, man, they hated it. Like, it's kind of funny because people, um, they're always trying to avoid them, like when they're knocking on their doors. And here I am coming to them, and they're like, "Oh man, Hank's trying to convert us today." Yeah. And I'm trying to use the way of the master approach, you know. So. Yeah. Well, you know, and and, and it's, my thing is, is I seek for learning because you, you know you mentioned the uh, Latter Day Saints, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with. It sounds like you might be, but you know, in high school, they have seminary before school, or that's what they call it. They call it their seminary classes, and where you go through and you learn. Um, the doctrines of the church. And um, anyway, when I was in high school, I went through that with, um, I didn't attend every single one of the um, mornings, but I went to a lot of them. And I, and even today, I have a lot of friends that are part of um, the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints, because uh, they don't actually refer to themselves as Mormons anymore. Um, there was some changes that happened there. But anyway, um, but I went to learn. I didn't go to debate. I didn't go to try to convince. I went to learn because the way I was looking at it is I see so many people approach like um, street ministry or different types of, of evangelist, what we would consider evangelistical type ministries as I'm just going to go convince somebody that you should believe like me. And uh, most of the time they are accusing the other party of believing things that they may not even believe because the person who's trying to win the other person is just regurgitating some things that they've heard here and there, but they really don't understand the core of the doctrines itself. And I, the way I look at it is I would want somebody to be fair with me and actually know what I believe and actually have top, you know, conversations about that. And then, you know, even when my wife and I first got married, because I was still learning um, a lot about, um, you know, their doctrine we would have the elders come to our house. We would feed the elders and we'd talk to them, but it was always, you know, teach, teach me. I want, I want to learn. And, and I have probably more of an open-minded approach than some people might be comfortable with because, you know, I, I know, you know, the theological background that I have and where I, where I put my faith and my trust, but I'm more than open to allow people to come to me and share with me what they believe and why they believe it and and not really be confrontational about it because i think that if if we're honest we should be taking you know what we believe the bible itself is teaching us and it should be molding us and and actually conforming us to the image of god not breaking all of that down so i said all that to say i i know that even for me i know that if i would have met my 20 year old self he probably wouldn't recognize me today because I, I've learned things, you know. Yeah, man, that's that's really good. Um, like I said, I, I wish that's something that I would have actually learned at a younger age. I was just so zealous to mm-hmm. to debate and convert, and you probably uh, hurt a lot of people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I did, but you know what? I converted a lot too. It was. Mm-hmm. It's actually interesting. Um, I, I probably hurt more than I converted, but. 
I do, I do have some really interesting stories con- concerning the ones that I was able to get, which is, which is awesome. But I, I'll tell you, I actually took your approach when I was uh, at a campus ministry at Middle Tennessee State University, and we got to working with international students. And my wife and I, we opened up our homes to uh, the LDS that would come by quite a bit, and um, the uh, like Muslims. We had several Muslims that would come over. And, um, and I would just ask them questions, you know, you, you tell me, I I don't want anybody else. I don't want a book that I'm reading to tell me what you guys believe. You tell me what you believe, Mm -hmm. because then it opened up for them to ask me, well, what do you believe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Opposed to me just saying, this is what you believe. And let me tell you what I believe. Yeah. Well, (laughs) everybody's offended. (laughs) Well, and I, 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 um, I've talked to a lot of people throughout the years about this and, and I don't know like what, how you would coin it, but the way the way I look at it is when when you go back and you look at the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus was known as being a friend to people that nobody else was a friend to. He was known for, you know, and I've said it on this podcast before, he was known for hanging out in the bars and in the places where other people weren't. Now, I'm not saying that the church should just like open the doors and go, you know, go start your bar ministry. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus was, he was with the people, if that makes sense, without going into all the details of that. But he was with the people. He was, it was like, he, he's like, I'm in this together with you. I'm, I, you know, and his goal, of course, we know was, you know, he was seeking and saving the lost, but he was a friend first. And I think that if we would have an approach to where with relationships in general that, you know what? I want to be your friend and it's not just so you can be converted, but I want to be your friend. I want to be there. I want to have relationship with you. I want to do life with you. And if God changes my heart or he changes your heart, then let's, let's be open to that. But mm-hmm. if that's, if that's not the way that we go, okay. You know, because I have several good friends that are even atheist and we have a mutual respect for each other because our, our approach together is, you know, we're going to respect each other. We're going to come together. And of course, we're not always talking about God, the Bible or anything like that. A lot of times we're talking about other things. But then when the opportunities present themselves where they either say, here's why I don't believe in a God, or I can say, well, here's why I believe in one, but we can walk away respectfully with each other. But if you don't have relationships, those opportunities are never going to present themselves ever, you know? That's right. And so, and so I, you know, I've, my wife and I have talked about that for, for years that, you know, it's okay if people give me a bad rap, if they think that I don't have good friends or any, I'm okay with all that, because at the end of the day, I, I know that those relationships are valuable to me because people are people they're you know, they have something to offer the world, you know, and my end result goal is not just to make a convert, but it's to be there with them. And I do think that conversion is a byproduct of relationship. I do think that, but that's not going to be the end goal all the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. It's really good. But so, so you go, go back to your story a little bit. Cause we kind of, you know, it's easy on the, on when we have organic conversations to just go like all of our rabbit trails and everything. But so, so let's back up a little bit. Yeah. So we were talking about my, my call to preach as mm-hmm. opposed to being a worship leader in the church of Christ. Right. Yeah. So, uh, attending the Pentecostal church, um, 
it was at age 16 that I felt my call to preach. And this question actually does get, it does get brought up quite a bit because I work at the United Methodist Publishing House. And so they're always fascinated. Like, what does that mean to be, you know, called to preach? Like, what does that, Mm -hmm. what does that seem like? And I tell people, you know, it doesn't seem like everybody's story is the same, but I know for me, um, it was every time that my pastor or another preacher would get up to preach. I just felt this like urging inside, like you're supposed to be doing this. Mm. You know, it, it, it was kind of like, I, I go back to that feeling when I got the Holy Ghost for the first time, just this, this energy, you know, that's just consuming you. And like every time he would get up, it's like, ah, you know, and I remember when I finally felt a piece about it was I was talking to the guy who was like our assistant pastor at the time, um, one services. So this was going on for quite a while. And I don't remember exactly how long, but it was just literally every service. I just felt this way. And so I told him, I said, listen, I said, I don't know why, but uh, and I don't even know what this means, but I feel like I'm called to preach. Mm. He goes, what do you mean? And I said, every time somebody gets up to preach, I just feel this urgency inside of me. And he goes, I think, I think you are called to preach then. Mm. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of unloaded on me, uh, quite a bit more than I was ready for at that time. Just saying, you know, this is a big burden that you're carrying here. You got to start walking right. If this is what you want, you know, and, mm. You're concerned about popularity. Forget all about that, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> and your sports and all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. I was playing every sport at that time. I was playing baseball, basketball, football. You mm-hmm. know, those those were the things that consumed my life at the time. And he's like, "Your life's about to change, man." Yeah, you start using Bible studies. Yeah, you know, it's funny hearing you say that. I I had someone that I was having a conversation with recently, and we were talking about the desire to be liked. And then they were telling me about a desire to plant a church. And, and, and I told them, I said, well, if you're going to plant a church or if you are called to be a pastor, then you've got to do away with this idea that everybody's going to like you. I said, because is, is, and I, I use myself as an example. I said, as, as much as I think I'm a pretty friendly guy and easy to get along with, there's people that don't like me and there's nothing I can do about it, <laughs> you know? And I said, but, yeah. but I said, and, and uh, I said, I've known wonderful pastors that like are just, you know, they're in my opinion, like in the, if, if, if God had a level and he said, here's my top 10, you know, it, that's who I would think are his top 10. And there's people that don't like them, yeah. you know? So I said, you, you've got to do away with this idea that you're going to be popular. People's going to like you because it's just, you know, Jesus was a nice guy, but look what happened to him. You know, <laughs> so. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And that's, been one of those things that still today I face when, when I hear somebody doesn't like me, I'm like, what, 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 like, what do I do to them? You know, yeah. Yeah. which sometimes gets me in trouble on these forums because I'm pretty opinionated. Yeah. I just want you to like my opinion. Why don't you like my opinion? Yeah. I, yeah. I tried to, I, I, you know, it's funny. So we, you and I, we, we PM each other every now and then on, on the different forums. And like, I, I we never say what we what we're thinking probably half the time, or at least I assume that from our, our PMs. Um, 
but I read things that people say and I'm like, what in the world? Are you trying to like create enemies for no reason? Or, or I think this is not a mountain to die on, you know, <laughs> move on. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of times I ask myself, is, is this, are we seriously having this discussion? Is that seriously what you think? Or are you just trying to get me riled up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny stuff. My wife, you know, I, I haven't been playing around on Facebook as much as I did, you know, past few years. But my wife and I, I took off work today just to have focus time with my wife this afternoon. And we went out and we were riding in the car and she happened to like scroll through a video on her Facebook and, and she watched it. And this person said all this stuff and I'm not going to go into all that. But I, but I looked at my wife while I was driving and I said, I said, you know, what bothers me is people make statements like this. And if they really thought about what they were saying they're totally doing away with what they claim to believe in regards to the work of Jesus Christ, what he did, what was accomplished, you know, and I started just going on and then I elaborated on it. And then I stopped and I was like, this is why I have to stay off Facebook because <laughs> it, it, it will make me think stuff like, you know, but, um, but anyway, so you got a call and then your pastor said, people aren't going to like you go, go on. Let's go back to that. Yeah, yeah. So um, really, I, I have to give a lot of credit to my youth pastor at the time because he kind of took me under his wing and started cultivating me, you know, into this ministry. And actually, does it, does uh, Noah Watt go to your church? Yeah, yeah. He's our administrative yeah. pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So Noah's brother, Vandy, was my youth pastor. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, he, he helped develop me, but... Um, Dude, I, and, and so I don't know who all were, was involved in Noah's life because I only met him when, when we moved. Um, but I'm telling you, he is he's one of he's one of those guys that I don't know how he feels about me because, you know, we never like have this like, hey, how do you feel about me? Blah, 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 blah. But <clears throat> he's one of those guys that is like the best of the best. If you can have if, if you only have five friends in your life. He's one of the ones that like you would you would be empty without because he's just he's that good as far as not only with his talents, but I'm talking about in in relationships. There's even times not too long ago I was going through something and I got a text message at like seven o'clock at night and he's like, hey, man, uh, I was just going to stop by the house. And I'm just like, "Okay." And he came over and we sat and we talked and, and I mean, it just, it did my soul good, man. So I don't, I don't know who spoke into his life or gave him like these abilities or if it's just only the Holy Spirit alone. I, I don't know, but I'm telling you, he's one of the best of the best. I got a funny story about Noah. So, uh, he, he's familiar with all these family members that I'm telling you about. He knows them all. Mm-hmm. He used to come around, uh, my aunt at the time, the one from Louisiana used to have crawfish bowls. So he always made a, uh, always made time to come visit when we were doing crawfish bowls, but yeah. he was a, he was a youth pastor here in Tennessee for a little bit. And, um, this was right when my call to preach came about and all this stuff. And so anyways, he was, uh, preaching a, I don't think it was a youth service. I actually think it was maybe like a, a revival or something in Virginia. And so he asked me, he said, do you want to go with me? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to. And he said, I'll see if I can get you like five minutes in or, you know, like a five minute manna. And I said, okay, cool. So anyways, um, I had never prepared a message before and, um, don't even know what I'm about to get myself into. 
And the pastor, before he introduces Noah, he introduces me and he says, we want him to come on up and, and give us five minutes. And so I get up and, you know, really, honestly, for, for your first go, I think it went pretty well. But this is the thing. I didn't know how you ended. <laughs> what, what, what do you say? You know, you see some of these guys that, that know how to tra- transition really well or some that just go, well, well, that's it. You know, and they just set the mic down, walk away, and there's this awkward transition. <laughs> so I get through my notes, and at the very end, um, I said, uh, oh, let me tell you about the, the very beginning, because the very beginning is funny. Mm-hmm. You know how Paul always starts off his letters by saying greetings? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I get up, and the first thing I say to this church is, greetings. Oh, no, no. And I see Noah start chuckling. Because I said later, he said, I don't know if you were thinking you were E.T. or Mr. Spock or something, but greetings. No, no. <laughs> I just wanted from this planet. So, okay, so 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 here's what's funny about what, what happens with Noah. Like, Noah is real bad about being like, Hey, if you, when you're, when you go up today, I mean, it could be for anything, you know, he's like, when you go up today, if you can work the word crickets into your message, you know, I'll buy you a coffee. Or if you can work the word, like, you know, go Astros or, you know, or, or, I mean, just any, you never know what it's going to be. And so he had done that to Chris Prince and Chris Prince was preaching and uh, he was talking about his son in this message. And he's like, my son was being loud. And I kept telling him to go to bed. And he goes, I wanted him to go to sleep so I could hear the crickets. And then he just kept preaching and it like flowed perfectly. And Chris was like, look, you know, so yeah, Noah, Noah loves words, man. He, he picks up on all that. Yeah, he does. He's good. Um, so, I, you know, yeah. I preached this message, right? And at the very end, I don't know how to close this thing out. And so I just, I look over at the pastor and I look at the congregation. Of course, no one's standing next to the pastor. And I said, well, guys, I, I don't know what else to say. My mind's in the gutter. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I look over at the pastor, go, he stands up real quick and goes, I don't think that's what he meant. And I looked over and Noah's shaking his head like, oh, what did you just do? And I said, I got nervous and I said, no, that's what I meant. No, no, no. <laughs> but what I was trying to say was, you know, like I got fog brain or something like that. I don't know what else to say. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then I said, my mind's in the gutter. See, that's the story so, when you went to go get your license. That's the story that you should have told, you know, when they were asking you questions. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I get back and he tells his brother, Vandy, like I said, who's my youth pastor. He goes, well, you know, he did pretty well, but he greeted the church like he was an alien and then told him his mind was in the gutter. So <laughs> I don't know how well <laughs> he ended. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were talking about the, um, the way that we witness, mm-hmm. you know, when, and sometimes that there's a better approach than others. And I tell you what, that's really what catapulted my ministry. Because mm. I'd always thought a call to preach was exactly that. You just prepare a message and you and you preach, right? And I tell you what, and this is still something that eats me up today. Uh, I was in class and God had just really gave me this heartbeat, you know, for souls. And I was trying to witness to a buddy of mine. He was, he was actually Catholic as well. 
And um, through our conversations, he really got fascinated by the Bible because he was not like a practicing Catholic, I guess you could say. And uh, so he's reading the Bible, and we're in music class, and he would read the Bible. Well, one day I came into music class, and at the very end of class, he pulls out the Da Vinci Code. Oh, right yeah. when the Da Vinci Code, like 03 or 04, you know, when it got real big. Mm. And uh, I said, what are you reading? And he said, it's it's the Da Vinci Code. He said, you know, Hank, I got to be honest with you. He said, I know, like, you love God. He said, I love God. But he said, I've really been struggling reading the Bible. I, I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. But he said, this book right here makes way more sense than anything I've ever read in the Bible. Wow. Bro, it crushed me. Mm. It crushed me, you know? Mm. And uh, I went home, and, I mean, it's really, like, weighing down on me. And so I get home, and you've heard these stories before, and I don't know if you've experienced it or not, but I did experience this. I'm praying to God. I'm like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. When I read the Bible, I feel like it's pretty black and white. Do this and don't do this. Mm. But John's reading it, and he's going, I don't get it. It just doesn't make sense to me. And so I literally opened my Bible, and it lands right on Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm. And so I begin to read, and it gets to the part where Philip gets in the chariot with the eunuch, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I understand except someone teaches me? Right. And that's, if I've ever, I don't want to say it was like God spoke to me audibly, but if I could ever say that there was a time where it, it really felt like he was screaming at me, it was at that point, you understand because you're supposed to teach it. Mm. And so that's, that's when I really, truly understood what it meant to be a minister, not preaching in pulpits necessarily, but actually teaching people because there's a lot of people out in this world that want to get closer to God. But it's like the book is so hard to understand. And some of us have the knowledge because we're supposed to be teaching it. Mm. You know, that that is, I, I love that for so many reasons. Number one, I think that the fivefold ministry is something that we talk about, but we don't always practice it. But God gave teachers for the perfecting of the saints. He gave preachers for the perfecting of the saints. He gave prophets. He gave apostles. You know, he, he gave us a work to do. And, and I've said before, I love to preach, but there's something about when I have the opportunity to teach that I feel so much more, I don't know how you want to describe it. My words would be, I feel so much more connected to the spirit, like the spirit's just flowing through me and, and out than when I'm preaching. Yeah. And, and I love, I love to teach. I love to teach. There's just something about it. And you're exactly right. You know, so many times I was in a, uh, I was in an, uh, I don't know if it was Lyft or Uber one day and this guy was talking to me and he was telling me kind of that, you know, his idea about God, like, and he brought it up. I never said anything. I'm just sitting in the car and I'm like, man, the weather's great. You know, this is wonderful, you know, and I don't know where, and then all of a sudden he's like, he's like, you know, this is what I think about God. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. And he tells me all these things. And when he gets finished, I said, you know, I said, if I was, if I was you, 
I could totally understand and see everything and agree with everything you just said exactly that way. I said, but the problem that I have is the way that God has revealed himself in the Bible, in the scriptures, is not the way you presented him. I said, so your argument is not against the God of the Bible. I said, your arguments are against your conception or your perception of a God or who you assume is the God of the Bible. And I said, so if we go back and I just, I I gave him three pointers, uh, you know, in that conversation. And when we, when he dropped me off uh, at my location, he says, you know, that gives me a lot to think about. But so many times, you know, like if somebody says something like, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? There are explanations. But so many times we're clouded by our own understanding or what we believe or what we believe God should or should not do without going back and studying his character and his nature as revealed. Right. That's good. That's good. You know, so one of the things I'm thinking about is, um, you know, debating people has never worked for me. Mm -hmm. Building relationships has. Right. Teaching absolutely has. And, you know, I think another thing that we have going for us is also, you know, miracles, because there's a lot of churches that that will say that they're done away with. And I know for my family, especially, like I said, my mom's side was Church of Christ. Dad's side was Baptist. You know, the miracles are not really flowing on either side. And, you know, we have stories of personal stories of God actually healing within our family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my uncle that moved up from Louisiana, for example, he he had fought in Vietnam, and um, he had developed Agent Orange. This is a man. He he was our men's director in our church. He worshipped God. I mean, like crazy. He was completely sold out. He was a Bible study teacher, um, soul winner, and uh, it got to the point where he he couldn't even get out of bed. He, he almost went an entire year without attending church because of his condition being so bad. And we were convinced he probably wasn't going to live very long. You know, had to have help eating and taking a bath and all this other stuff. And I'll never forget, and this is a story that I share quite a bit when I travel, you know, and, and preach in churches about how God is a healer. He, he got so frustrated that he told my aunt, he said, listen, if today is my last day on earth, I will go to church and I will worship God. Mm. And so they help him get in the car. He usually sat on the second row, but he had to sit in the very back because that's as far as he could get. And uh, we just had one of those services where the, the power of God was moving mightily. And he, you know, sat there through the entire service. And finally, you you could hear like this, like this knock or something at the back of the church, which was him like slamming his cane down on the ground to try to pick himself up. And he slowly starts making his way down to the altar. And uh, all of a sudden he lets out this scream, man. I mean, it was, it was so loud. And he, his back had been hunched over, you know, like uh, just where he couldn't stand up straight. And he throws his back up, and he lets out this yell, and he takes his cane, and he just slams it down on the altar. And all of a sudden, he takes this big gasp of air, 
and just starts worshiping God, starts dancing, waving his hands in the air, straightens it right up. And God healed him of rheumatoid arthritis that day in that service, and he's not had it since. Mm. We were watching a man that was literally dying, and still in that church that I grew up in, his cane's still hanging on the wall mm-hmm. as, a, as a miracle of what's happened. Um, I, I tell you this other story uh, about another uncle of mine. So I witnessed this with my eyes, the, the rheumatoid arthritis story I just told you. This other story is kind of fascinating because you were talking about those forums that we're on. And, uh, you know, Benny Hinn gets a bad rap in them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I just get baptized, right? My uncle, Jerry, he is the one that that takes me to the back. He's kind of coaching. This is how you get baptized. Here's the baptismal robes, all this stuff. He's standing there with me when my pastor baptizes me in Jesus' name. He's the first one to hug me. Mm. Um, you know, he tells me, he says, you know, if, if you need me to talk to your mom, I'll talk to your mom when you get back, all this stuff. Well, he and my dad are carpenters and they were building a house. And that very next day he's on top of a house and he falls off the house Mm. and lands on this dirt pile and breaks his back and they have to life slot him out of there. They're thinking he's going to be paralyzed. Um, for the rest of his life. And uh, they get into the hospital and they get to working on him. And in the process of working on him, uh, they discover that he has lung cancer. And so, you know, it's just like, for me, here's this awesome thing that took place, but then all of a sudden our family gets hit with this big, you know, side swipe, you know. And uh, he makes, he gets home and um, the good thing was, is he wasn't paralyzed, but he was in pretty rough shape. You know, I had to have rods and stuff put in his back. Well, he's having to go to uh, chemo for his lung cancer. Right. And my grandmother, who does not know how to work a TV, couldn't even work a radio. She's a quilter, you know, good, good old-fashioned grandma, you know. She... Uh, is desperate because she feels like her son's going to die of lung cancer. And she's praying and she's like, God, you know, what, whatever, you know, I, I just need you to, to do something, you know? <laughs> she says she feels like God tells her, turn on the TV. And she just starts laughing. She's like, God, I don't know how to turn the TV on. <laughs> oh, no. And so she asked me, she said, Hank, she calls me, she said, because I live next door, she said, can you come turn the TV on for me? So I, I come and turn the TV on, and I said, Grandma, what are we doing? And she said, I don't know. I was just told to turn the TV on. And I said, so you don't know what you're supposed to be watching? And she goes, turn it to that channel where all the preachers are. Well, the only t- station I knew was TVN. Right, yeah. And, and so I, I turned it to TVN, and Benny Hinn's on TV, mm-hmm. right? And this is the uh, the part of the, the series at the very end where he looks into the camera and he starts saying, you know, he starts just prophesying or whatever to the, to the people out in, out in the real world. And he makes this statement, man, while I'm, I'm standing there watching this. Mm-hmm. And he puts his hands in his face and he does the whole, mm, you know. Yeah. And he says, there's a man by the name of Jerry. And now as soon as he says that, 
both me and grandma perk up. <laughs> so I'm in my uncle Jerry's house. My grandmother lived with him. Okay? Yeah. 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 There's a man by the name of Jerry. You've just been diagnosed with lung cancer. I'm here to tell you right now, it's gone by the power of Jesus Christ. My grandma starts shouting, man. Mm. She's 94 today and still living and going good. But she starts shouting all over the house. He gets home and she goes, Jerry, you're healed. You're healed. You're healed. And he's like, what? Yeah. She's like, you don't have lung cancer anymore. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, because he didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't even been to the doctor at this point. And she said, many hands said that you've been healed. <laughs> and he goes, that fraud? Oh, <laughs> Oh. He said, Mom, you don't need to listen to anything that fraud says. Bro, I'm not kidding. He goes to the doctor. He's lung cancer free. Wow. And so when I see these guys like, you know, bash Benny Hinn, and I'm not saying, I'm not defending Benny Hinn by any means. No, I, got I think you. God can use anybody. But I'm just like, hey, guys, I've got a personal testimony that I can tell you about Benny Hinn yeah. uh, in, his, in his TV ministry. So. That's uh, kind of a funny story there about him. Oh yeah, but but see that's that's what I love about you know I so many people did not grow up in traditional Pentecostalism that end up in traditional Pentecostalism or Pentecostalism in general. I I that'd probably be a better way to say that. But uh, and so I think that you have a a disconnect with people who assume that you know everybody else, you know, is in left field or whatever. And and the fact of the matter is, is God, God can work with and through anybody in any way. And, and so we can't, we can't assume that we've, we've got a, um, you, you know, we've got the market cornered on <laughs> everything. So, so it's funny. It's, it's, yeah, I, I love stories like that. And, uh, yeah. you know, I've got, you know, I've got many family members that are in many denominations. Um, and then I've had the privilege to uh, marry several of our uh, family members because for some reason, you know, they tend to gravitate towards, you know, our family, um, you know, because probably because it's our grandmother was Pentecostal. My Her dad actually was um, one of the members of the original two organizations that formed ours today. And so he, he slept out, uh, my great-grandfather, he slept out in fields to go preach revivals. You know, there was times that he didn't have shelter, and he was a traveling evangelist is, is what he did. And I remember when my grandmother was still living, I would just love to hear those stories about him and and everything. But But my point there is, you know, People's ideas or our perceptions of truth has has changed with time, you know, and so I always want to be real careful not to not to discount people's experiences or, or their relationship, you know, because I look at it from the standpoint of, you know, who, who am I anyway? I'm nobody. Right. But uh, but man, this is this is this is good. We've we've already hit over our hour mark. It, it never feels like it to me anyway, like because I love hearing all these stories and and stuff, and and I enjoy the podcast uh, so much. But uh, you know, to kind of move us along because I don't I don't want to overstep our time too much. But um, so so what are you involved in today? What what ministries are you are you doing? Um. And, and then I have one more question I want to ask you after you kind of share all that. Yeah, sure. So um, currently right now, 
but we were um, just youth pastors not too long ago in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and uh, recently transitioned back to my home church uh, in Murfreesboro. Been feeling a transition, and uh, I had been sitting under the ministry of a field or priest for uh, quite a bit when I when I moved to Murfreesboro to go to college. I sat under him, and he's a church planner, and it's kind of one of those things where when you are around a church planner, you just you know, it starts eating you up. And so, um, they planted a church out in Mount Juliet and then we went to serve as youth pastors and we transitioned back. And so currently right now, uh, we're staying pretty busy. Um, I am the hyphen and CMI director for the state. And then in my local church, um, we are actually starting, um, a ministry. We went to motion conference. My wife and I did there in Houston and they do, um, a ministry called First Steps, and so we're we are about to launch First Steps in uh, our church there in Murfreesboro, and then also on top of that, we uh, we are about to start planning a church on the west side of Murfreesboro as well. My wife and I, so oh wow, pretty excited about that. Yeah, well, so we're we're staying pretty busy. So 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 here's the recommendation: connect with Chris Prince. I tell everybody that when they're getting ready to plant a church, he's got so much experience with that, and then not only that, but the team that we both serve on. It's what he brings to the table is amazing. I had a phone call with him yesterday um, and it was about because we also do the first steps program and um, the the ministry that we are over. I was asking him, what do you think about this? What are what are some ideas? And, and he brings he brings so much insight, you know, and um, I got to give him a shout out, too, because he's the, he's the one that introduced me to the Yeezys tennis shoes. Oh, wow. And uh, and so now I'm a huge fan of those. And uh, my favorite message that he's preached recently is when he played a clip of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and actually sat down and took off his dress shoes, put on his Yeezys, and then he preached his message in his Yeezys at church. This happened not too long ago, man. I have to send you the video link. And I was well, like, I, I was like, I, oh, I, I love just got to tell you, con- concerning Chris, um, the podcast you guys did was absolutely phenomenal. And, um, I, I'm real big into podcasts in general, mm-hmm. but that's actually one that I saved because there was so much good stuff there. And you guys actually touched on a lot. So I am, uh, the associate marketing director for digital marketing here at the United Methodist publishing house. So okay. you guys are like this stuff that you're talking about as far as 21st century evangelism using social media and all this stuff. I'm going, yes, you know, finally somebody that's speaking my language. Like, yeah, this is, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I, I recommend anybody out there, you know, if this is their first time jumping on your podcast, uh, to go back and listen to the conversation you guys had with Chris, because that was, that was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, he is. He, and, and you know, it's, it's funny. I, I can't remember if we did a podcast on his or if it was on one of the ones we did on mine. But he said, you know, we weren't going to turn it into a love fest or anything. But but um, Chris is one of those guys that, man, uh, another one. He's like a Noah that when I met him, I, I was just like, I felt like God had had allowed me the opportunity to find someone to your point that spoke my language, because there were so many of the things that I didn't know how to articulate, but I was already thinking about and he's all about that. 
you know, he, he's, he's, he's probably years ahead of his time. And, but he always reminds me that I'm an old man and that bothers me. Not really, but, but, uh, but he, he is, he's such a good friend, man. He, he is. But, but and again, that's where I think that, uh, I don't know who all's on your team, but I think that it wouldn't hurt like the teams to get together sometime, meet someplace and, and hash out some ideas together. I know that, that we have things like motion conference and everything, but I think that, having that opportunity to sit down and actually have those face-to-face conversations and discussions to specific topics and to get feedback from other people that are in the trenches with you would just really be just phenomenal in itself. And I know we have the ability to do it through podcasts and things. Um, and I'm a face-to-face person, you know, anyway, I, that's, that's why I like to do things. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's what he did with his church and, and I, I learned so much through that experience. And if we ever do launch a campus, you know, he, he'll be on my like little subcommittee that I set up that tells me how to do things because, because he knows. Yeah. So now like his story, he, he was a church planner and then he came with you guys to Dallas. Is he, he's planning again, right? He now, I don't want to speak for him. I, I think that long term he plans to plant again. Okay. But I, but right now he's he's on our staff. Uh, he's on our pastoral staff now with our church. And that church that he had planted originally was a daughter work of our church as well. Yeah, um, that's good. And uh, but but, you know, and we got uh, another guy on our team, uh, Matt Smith. I don't know if you know him or not. Um, yeah, I actually was. Uh, I think they keep dropping all these titles, but I was the P7 director. So I got to know Matt pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And again, here in Tennessee, that is. Yeah. And again, he, I mean, it, that's the thing. I, I, I literally on like every day, every, every weekend, especially, but I look at, the, I look at this, this group of guys and it, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it, it really is. It, it's, it's a blessing to learn from, you know, cause sometimes I do say what I think, but a lot of times I get around everybody and I just listen to what they're saying or what they're doing because there's just so much to learn, man. It, it, it's really cool. But I, and I'm going to give them all a hard time because I didn't know you, you knew them. So yeah, I've already texted Noah and been like, who's this Hank Hayes guy? I don't know if I trust him, you know, <laughs> but, but I can't, I can't wait to hear some stories um, from that. But no, I appreciate the things you said about the podcast right now. I've been really shocked uh, and surprised at some of the feedback that, that I've gotten because this was something that I originally set out just to do for fun, just because I like talking to people. I like getting to know people. And I think everybody has a, has a story to tell, regardless of where they come from, their background, things like that. And um, some of the feedback has been so positive, man. And, and, and so I'm like, you know, as, as long as there's somebody that wants to listen, I, I'm going to keep doing this because I think that there's value. And so the fact that you gleaned so much from the conversation with Chris, man, that really that's a blessing to hear. And I, I appreciate Absolutely. that. And I'll, I'll PayPal you that $50, um, after the podcast for throwing that shout out. (laughs) No, but, but, uh, no, I appreciate it. I know that we have spent our time and, uh, that's one of the things Chris has told me a million times is we need to stay at 30 minutes, but okay. Real quick story about him. He listens to a lot of podcasts, but he does all of them in halftime, you know, where you speed it up and everybody's just talking so fast. So I tried to do that the other day just to see if I could, you know, download, several you know into my brain or whatever and i i couldn't pay attention everybody was just talking too fast i was like i was like no you're old yeah yeah i was like it's not for me it's not for me 
But uh, anyway, well, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you being on today. And uh, I hope that everybody um, gains something from this. I know that I always go back and I re-listen to these because sometimes, even though I'm listening in the moment, I like to hear the conversation after the fact, too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out myself. But I want to let everybody know, continue to subscribe, continue to send us feedback. And we appreciate everybody for listening and being a part of the Church in Fix this afternoon.